0: Hawks up big on our pacers right now, Trista. 92-78. We need
1: I don't more. That.
0: 11 assists, 11 points, though, for Tyrese Halliburton. Just an absolute assist machine. Game after game after game. Get I 20 actually, tonight. You know what? I feel like a coward for not actually jacking his assists up in that, that parlay I have. Everything's about—well, nope, not going to say it out loud. Don't we don't want any mushed. jinxes. I almost mushed myself. Can't but not that. I am upset that I didn't go, like, 15-plus assists at this point.
1: I get you. I, I hear you dude. He's he's been so good this year.
0: I mean just and you know what I like seeing? I like seeing playmaking point guards in the NBA. Don't have enough of them. And there he is again. Oh, never mind. Just got picked off. Just kidding. Uh, you also got the uh Magic up 10486 on the Raptors and uh Cavs right now up 75-63. 7:56 to go in the third over the Sixers in the IST in season tournament. Yeah, the red court is not not working for me in the Sixers. I'll be honest, yeah, The red courts, like Joe Delara said, not not good. But some of the other ones are are much better. All right, we bring on Jake Fisher, senior NBA reporter for Yahoo Sports, and let's talk about those Sixers for a second. I mean, they're down right now to the Cavs. I get it. It's only one game in the in season tournament, but like when you look at the Sixers big picture for the season, do you see a team that can kind of keep the pace they're on right now, or could? you see Milwaukee overtaking them and the Sixers maybe kind of evening out a little bit?
2: It does seem like Philly's kind of cemented themselves in that Milwaukee Boston tier that it seems most pundits and people around the league kind of had the Eastern Conference hierarchy, but I I do think Philly and people around the Sixers are, are under the impression that they need to figure this new roster out in the post James Harden trade where Kelly Oubre should come back from his curious injury situation. They have all these picks now to figure out what this roster can do, but I think they know of those, two, of those, of those three teams at the top that they're probably the most unfinished product in terms of, of roster building right now.
1: You are the Daryl Morey whisperer.
2: <laughs> uh, Am I? You
1: are. I think you are. I mean, you've been in on what the Sixers have been doing behind the scenes for a long time now, as, as far as I can tell. Uh, I don't feel like they should make any moves for a star. It feels like the culture and the chemistry on this team is clicking at a a level that we haven't seen for Philly. And the stink of losing, where you just feel like Philly is going to choke things out, uh, choke it up in the playoffs, it just doesn't feel like that now. Uh, What do you sense in terms of what Daryl Morey is going to do with Philly uh, at the deadline?
2: I definitely never whispered to him. We we spent we spent some time together. We spent many a phone call. Oh, no okay. whispers. So I th- I think right now the Sixers are enjoying and evaluating just how great Tyrese Maxey can be. And to your point, Trista, like what type of player can best optimize him and Joel Embiid as opposed to going into this year. And from the get-go, the the rhetoric we you know you heard around the Sixers from James Harden's trade request back in July was well, what can I do to support the reigning MVP? That, that calculus has now changed when Tyrese Maxey is putting up numbers in his fourth season that rival Steph Curry back in his fourth season. Not to say he's going to get to that level, but when he's presenting as like an All NBA candidate, I think that changes things. Where you know. Damian Lillard was someone that the Sixers obviously called about when he requests out of Portland, and you know there's the thought of would there be like a real point guard as opposed to the combo guy that Tyrese has. So I agree with you that I think his progression and just how much they've really benefited from him being on the ball, it kind of does make more sense. And I think the Sixers are open to this idea of maybe just trading one pick, or maybe one pick and something else for someone is like a ceiling raiser for this team because they do value all the cap space they're going to have this summer And, and the Sixers will be happy to say that of all the teams in the contending picture they're going to have the most cap space of any to offer some disgruntled you know veteran who could just decide I want to go play with those two guys in South or in Philadelphia
1: what do you think about Danilo Gallinari for the Sixers it looks like the Wizards are expected to move him do you think that's a ceiling raiser
2: yeah, I'm surprised is even on the Wizards roster. I thought he'd get cut and find his way to a better situation in the summer. I, he wouldn't be worth a first-round pick. So someone like him, I think, yeah, he, he fits right along the mold of Robert Covington, Nicholas Petum, these, like, bigger wings who, as they've aged, are kind of more stretch four men that Philly kind of has in the rotation.
0: Jake, what are you hearing in league circles right now in terms of just the early response to the uh, in season tournament and how it's gone?
2: It's been mixed. I think people have had fun making fun of the courts. And (laughs) when coaches go out there for pregame warm ups to get through shots with their guys, they're like, you see everyone kind of scuffing their shoes along the court and seeing what that thing looks like as opposed to what it is on TV. Um, I I think with, like, the bracket and stuff, it's been obvious from, like, the reaction to to bring it back to the Sixers and B's, like, last second shot. I forget whatever game that was, but, like, the tiebreakers and the point differential and all this I think is something that a lot of players and coaches just aren't really concerning themselves with because these are just regular season games. Like, until you get to the final Vegas stage, all these games are just – double-counting as an in-season tournament game and a regular season game. So the court is different. There's some jerseys that are different. There are added stakes in theory. But like the feel of it from a real level, not like the sizzle level, it, it's just another game. So I don't think there's been like a dramatic you know, acceptance or pushback towards it, but I think people are like intrigued by it and they're generally open to an idea that should benefit the overall business of the sport.
1: We knew Chicago was going to be bad, Jake. We knew. Uh, but the, where it is now is downright toxic. Zach Levine pouting after the, the PR woman uh, after DeMar DeRozan took over against the Heat uh, in the fourth quarter. Like, Where are we at on Zach Levine? His camp is now putting out uh, some of the places that it, are his trade destinations that are preferred. Kings are now rumored to be in the mix. Like, What do you think happens there, and where the, where is Chicago at in terms of, their roster from what you're hearing.
2: Yeah, you can read about some of those preferences on Yahoo Sports. I think the market for Levine is moving more slowly than the Bulls would like. And that's a combination of factors in that Zach Levine has four years, $180 million left on his contract, including this season. And he has never really had much of an impact on winning basketball. so. His contract by a lot of front offices is kind of seen as like a negative as opposed to the Bulls viewing him as as this multi-time all-star and valuing him for a level of of like a superstar package where you get back multiple picks and potentially a young player in mind. So I just think ultimately the Bulls are going to end up having to be – you know, their course of action is going to be determined by what what the market presents themselves. It's not like Portland where everyone thought that – the Heat were going to just walk their way into a Damian Lillard package because there was no other bidder out there that could provide as much. Well, Milwaukee proved that to be a lot different than what the circumstances seem to be. I can tell you right now though, like it's just its too early, I think, for a team before aging contracts all kick in to become trade eligible in December and then later in January. And the fact that the, with the new CBA, the second tax luxury apron that a lot of teams are going to be really scared of. It's just going to be a difficult circumstance to pay someone that much money, 40-50 million dollars in average annual value when they've never really shown that they can provide what that contract is actually you know supposed to be bringing.
0: Talking to Jake Fisher, MGM tonight. Uh, speaking of teams that you know maybe could be involved in trades, or maybe it's just trade rumors, like the Knicks and Carl Anthony Towns. You just you hear this rumor all the time, and it's been I feel like it's been like five years of this now. The Knicks sit at yeah, eight and six. They like them.
2: They like Joel Embiid. They like Giannis. They like everyone. They like
0: everyone. <laughs> but is there is there any truth to? The Because right now, I mean, the Timberwolves look really good. They're 10-3. and three. This is a team where it kind of looks like maybe that whole thing might actually click. Could you see the te- a team like the Knicks getting aggressive if they kind of hover around 500 the way that they are right now?
2: Yeah, they have the depth of a team very similar to, like, the Clippers before Kawhi Leonard and Paul George got there. They've got seven, eight guys that would look really good behind one true alpha that is not on the Knicks roster. How aggressive will they be to add to that? I'm not so sure right now, being that I don't think the guys that they would really, you know, qualify as someone demonstrably better than Jalen Brunson are are on the board. Like, could Carlton Towns, in theory, be that number one offensive option that could raise the, the Knicks' ceiling? In theory... But this is a front office that kind of clutched their pearls and didn't go all in on Donovan Mitchell last summer because they wanted to still have an asset pool available to be able to get someone better than Donovan. And right now, I just don't see that player becoming available, and I don't see New York kind of scourging too soon when they could hope that Joel Embiid decides to look his way towards New York in two years or anyone. Like, fill in the blank, I think the Knicks have – lofty aspirations on who could be that guy and who they actually would be willing to pay up for and until that type of player really becomes available i don't think they're just gonna like take a halfway measure to get a little bit better
1: speaking of minnesota you know it's a small market team and they're probably going to be very deep into the luxury tax uh once mcdaniel's contract takes effect now that they're the number one seed in the west they're the number one defense in the West with Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert. The spacing somehow looks pretty good. Like, what do you think happens with this team? Do they continue to keep this roster together? Do they look to move Cat? Because right now it feels like Cat's kind of immovable.
2: For sure. you got to take your hat off to head coach Chris Finch, He's made a lot of weird puzzle pieces, seemingly fit super well so far this year. But from the Cat standpoint to your point, Tristan, I mean, you could talk to the savviest cap guys in front of office around the league, and they will spell out like a doomsday scenario for pretty much every single team that has a lot of veteran, you know, high-paid talent on, on their roster that's in the contending sphere. Like, you can look at Denver right now and you could say, just like they did with letting Bruce Brown walk this summer, like, he was Pope is pope in the last year of his deal. Like, do the Nuggets try to move him before he goes for a $20 million contract next summer? Like, You can make this argument with any team. I think with with the Timberwolves, I'd be surprised if anything happened this year based on, A, a, how well it's all going, and, B, this is kind of like one true last year before Jaden McDaniels' massive contract kicks in next year, too, before Anthony Edwards' extension comes in. This is kind of the one year that you really can't afford that bill, but there are absolutely questions about Minnesota's willingness to pay this tax compared to other teams because – their new ownership structure with Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez, they have kind of, you know, it's been a, an open secret around the league that they've kind of needed as much time as they can is all I, all I really say to be able to come together with all the incremental payments that they've owed Glenn Taylor to buy 20% at a time of the majority stake of the franchise. So is that really an ownership makeup? That's going to want to be cutting hundred million dollar checks every year for a, a roster. I think there's a lot of skepticism about that.
1: Our dubs, Jake, our dubs. They look terrible. Everyone outside of Steph has been straight buns. I saw on first take again, it was how do we get Steph some more help. Turns out those, these guys at one point were all-stars, all-NBA guys, but uh, apparently they're bums now. So what, what do you think the Warriors
2: do? I think the Warriors are still kind of trying to – Hope and wait and see if one of Jonathan Kaminga or Moses Moody or you know they have these new rookies and Pods uh, and and Trace who you know I think they think will be rotation pieces, but they kind of really need Jonathan Kaminga to click, or he's going to have to be the real trade chip for them, where he's the one guy similar to bring us back to Chicago, Patrick Williams with the Bulls, a number four pick in the same draft, that 2020 draft where Kamingo went – no, sorry, Kamingo was in one draft, excuse me. But similar type of, like, raw upside player that was supposed to complement a veteran group in the lottery and just has never really hit. I think he's the player to look at where if he doesn't turn some corner – and he's playing much better this season. I mean, he's definitely up around 13 points per game, and he's, like, bringing a consistent type of presence. He's not – like, you just throw him out there and you have no idea what you're going to get out of him. But until he emerges as, like, the bonafide sixth, seventh man, sixth man in this rotation, he is going to be just on a surface level. It's, it's pretty obvious without even you know making all the intel calls. He's the trade piece for them to try to dangle to see what they can get back. But outside of him, I, I don't really see a, a real swing factor on this roster right now, to your point. It, it's not the deep – Uh, like, encouraging unit that that Golden State has had in the past.
0: Yeah, and just watching Steph Curry play at this high level for as long as he has while everybody else just seems to be aging in the wrong way with the Warriors. Another testament to the the career that he's had. Jake Fisher, Yahoo Sports. Appreciate the time, man.
2: Thanks, guys.
0: 26 points and 12 12 assists now for Tyrese Halliburton. And there's 518 to go in the third quarter. Good God. It's BetMGM tonight.